0: Well, hello there. Welcome back. My name is Stephanie Safarian, and you're listening to episode 235 of the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast, a twice-weekly show about intentional and eco-minimalist living. On today's show, I am answering a listener's question all about our digital carbon footprint. So the question comes from a new listener from the DC area. She asked me to refer to her by her initials, JK. This is her question. Hi, Stephanie. I want to minimize my digital carbon footprint. I have three email accounts spanning 15 years with thousands of emails because I am super lazy about emails. If I delete 1,000 of the really old, unnecessary emails, what is my annual CO2 savings? If all of your listeners did the same, how much energy could we save? All right, JK, this is a serious question. I believe I have the answer for you. So we're going to define digital carbon footprints. We're going to answer your very mathematical question. We're going to do all of that after a quick word from this week's first sponsor. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. One more time for the people in the back, GetPuroAir.com. All right, and here we are, part one of today's conversation. Let's all get on the same page by defining what on earth a digital carbon footprint is. The best way I can describe it is this way. So we all know what our digital footprint is, right? Your digital footprint is the trail of data that you leave around the internet as you Google, as you search, as you scroll, as you stream, as you save. Your digital carbon footprint then is the amount of CO2 that's emitted from your trail. I'll let that sink in. I'll give you a minute. (laughs) Now in 2019, as of 2019, 4.1 billion people around the world had access to the internet two years ago. So I'm assuming that number has risen in the past two years, right? But every single search, every streamed video, everything we saved to the cloud executed 4.1 billion times is responsible for a global demand of energy and that therefore increases CO2 emissions into our atmosphere. Now, I should say that some actions digitally have bigger digital carbon footprints than others. The lion's share, the vast majority of our digital carbon footprints are caused by video streaming. Videos are large in size, right? So if we're video streaming a lot, our digital carbon footprint will be larger than somebody who only maybe uses Google to search or sends only emails with text, no pictures, no crazy memes, no attachments, et cetera. Now, how big is this problem? Like, there are a lot of environmental problems that keep us up at night for us to worry about, right? So how big is the digital carbon footprint problem? Well, I should say that the numbers are murky, but various studies estimate that anywhere between 2.3% and 3.7% of global CO2 emissions are due to our collective digital carbon footprint. Now, for reference, the aviation industry, airplanes, they are also responsible for 3% of global greenhouse emissions. So our collective digital footprint problem is the same size as the aviation industry's problem. Let me say that a different way without percentages, just so we're all understanding the magnitude of this. Okay, every year humans on earth globally put 50 billion tons of greenhouse gases into the atmosphere our digital footprint is approximately 3% of that. 3% of 50 billion tons is 1.5 billion tons of greenhouse gases go into our atmosphere each year because of our digital lives. And so it's really important to just say one more time that email and the internet has cut down on a ton of physical resources like paper perhaps But the carbon emissions produced from manufacturing the computers, powering the cell phones, cooling the computers, saving our stuff in data centers, that really adds up. Now, when we talk about data centers, we have to talk about what JK alluded to in her question, which is, of course, server farms. What on earth is a server farm? Well, it's an enormous space that uses a bunch of computers to store massive amounts of data. It's called a server farm. They, of course, require an awful lot of electricity to run. They also require a lot of equipment to cool the machines and maintain the temperature-controlled environment perfect for saving our data. I want you to picture a server farm in your mind for a moment. The best way I can help you visualize a server farm, if you've never thought about a server farm before, is to call on the Disney movie Soul. If you haven't seen Soul, by the way, I highly suggest you watch it this weekend. It's, it's really good. But in the movie Soul, there's a character named Terry, and Terry is this androgynous Soul. Terry is responsible for counting the souls that go to heaven, and Terry's office is this gigantic room of drawers filled with data. That room in that fictional animated movie is quite similar to what a server farm on Earth looks like. It's a cluster of computer servers, like thousands of computers. They require large amounts of power to run, and... Server farms often have backup server farms (laughs) so that these backup farms can take over the functions as the primary server farm in the event that the primary server farm fails. Now, going back one minute to that 3% number I referenced earlier, I mentioned that approximately digital carbon footprints collectively are responsible for 3% of global carbon emissions, Well, I should mention that that 3% is expected to double by 2025. The internet's not going anywhere. Our digital lives are only going to increase in coming years as opposed to decrease, right? So that shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. But that 3%, that 3-ish percent is expected to double by 2025. Okay, so now we know what a digital carbon footprint is. We know what a server farm is. We're going to, in part two and then part three of this conversation, I'm going to give you some action steps. How can you intentionally but also incrementally reduce your digital carbon footprint without upending your life? We're going to get into that in part two. And then in part three, I'm going to attempt to answer JK's mathematical quandary. We're going to get into parts two and three after a quick word from today's second sponsor, So many of us have chaotic closets that are crammed full of clothing items, and yet somehow we still have nothing to wear. Well, upgrading to high-quality and affordable pieces from Quince when you need them is a game-changer. They offer organic cotton sweaters and washable silk tops. My 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters are my go-to. Not only are they affordable, but the quality is top-notch Create a home that reflects your commitment to the environment. Visit homethreads.com slash sustainable and get a code for 15% off your first order. Homethreads.com slash sustainable. Love where you live. And we are back. We are back with part two of today's conversation on digital carbon footprints. I have four action steps I'd like you to perhaps consider uh, in the future as you go about your digital lives. So how can we reduce our digital carbon footprint? Action step number one is to clean out your cloud. (laughs) Cloud storage requires quite a lot of electricity. And in a lot of parts of the world, that electricity is still powered by fossil fuels. So while emails no longer create paper pollution, they still create carbon, which goes into our atmosphere and warms our Earth. It is estimated that 100 zettabytes of data. What on earth is a zettabyte? Well, 100 zettabytes is equal to a trillion gigabytes. It's estimated that a trillion gigabytes will be stored in the cloud by 2025. Now, if you are a visual person and you don't know what a trillion gigabytes, aka 100 zettabytes are, imagine a one followed by 23 zeros. That's a trillion gigabytes. That will all be housed in the cloud by 2025. So go ahead with your bad self and go through whatever cloud service you use. I use Apple, but maybe you use Google Drive or maybe you use Dropbox. Go through those cloud services periodically and delete the files you don't need. Conduct the same process if you have a bunch of files you've been saving at work. And for the things you do need to save, perhaps you don't save them on the cloud. Perhaps you just save them on your device or on an external personal hard drive instead of the nebulous cloud. Now, can we talk about the cloud for a minute? (laughs) We should be using the cloud as little as possible. But for the average consumer like myself, who doesn't really understand what the cloud is, it can be easy to just dump every picture, every email, every document into it because out of sight, out of mind. Well, when Apple first came out with the cloud, with a capital C, a bunch of years ago, and when they started charging me $2 every month to store my stuff on the cloud, I really didn't bat an eye because the cloud sounds fluffy and peaceful and benign, (laughs) right? But now I know that the cloud is really a server farm. So it makes me personally want to get serious about what exactly is in my cloud. Do I need to save those photos from that party in college? Do I need to save all of the photos? Maybe just one really great one. (laughs) Or do I need to save that email from 2003 that really has no important information in it? I don't know. I need to go through my cloud. So that's action step number one. Action step two is to limit unnecessary streaming. Now streaming is here to stay. It's estimated that 60% of all internet traffic comes from video streaming sites like YouTube, Netflix, Hulu, you name it. So video streaming is not going anywhere, but we can be a little bit more intentional in how and when and where we stream. So Don't stream a video on Netflix or don't stream a show on Netflix and then fall asleep and leave it streaming, perhaps. If you are a big lover of YouTube, you can turn off the autoplay so that videos don't just keep coming on and on and on forever. You can close tabs on your browser that might play video ads, right? Those are all incremental ways that we can stream a bit smarter. So that's action step number two. Action step number three is to email more mindfully. Sending an email is more eco-friendly than delivering a physical letter, sure. However, they're not without emissions, right? Every email has carbon emissions attached to it. Now, the amount of carbon associated with an email can vary widely. JK, this is for you. Just an email with the words thank you can have maybe 0.3 grams of CO2. The, a regular email, maybe there's a picture in it, four grams. Up to 50 grams for an email with a photo attached, all right? The impact of an email depends greatly on what's in the email. However, what we can all do to email more mindfully is to, first of all, email less. Everybody's emailing for everything these days. If it doesn't need an email, don't send it. Delete the emails that are not important and that you don't need to save. That doesn't mean report spam, by the way. That means send to trash and then empty the trash. Unsubscribe from mailing lists that don't interest you. If you work in a physical office, I know not many of us are doing that these days, but if you all work in an office and you're all emailing each other every day, is there something that you can get up from your chair, walk to the office across the hall, and say to the person instead of sending an email? Just some thoughts there. And so related to email more mindfully, step four, action step number four, is to delete those old emails. Maybe if you are like J.K. who wrote to me, you have 15 years worth of old emails to delete. I have an awful lot of emails to delete. J.K. mentioned she has three email addresses. So do I. I've been super lazy in the past about deleting. I just archive, archive, archive. But no more. J.K. has a little formula that she's going to follow to delete 10,000 emails. Her question said 1,000, but her goal is 10,000. So... She's going to start with her inbox, and she's going to then sort to show the oldest ones first on top, and then she's just going to go down the list of old emails. She's going to save the ones that must be kept, like for taxes, by creating a subject folder and moving it there. If it's not important, if she doesn't need to save it, she's going to delete right then and there. If there's a bulk of emails, like a bulk of emails from Target deals or something, she's going to search for the sender and then delete them all in one fell swoop. And she's going to also complete mini goals to keep her on track. Like, today I'm going to delete all my emails from 2009, let's say. (laughs) So yes, it's a big goal to delete 10,000 emails, 15 years worth of emails, however many emails you have. So maybe you just create mini goals to keep you on track. And for me personally, I am now in the habit after researching for this episode of deleting emails right then and there that I don't need, unsubscribing from email lists right then and there that I don't want to be on being proactive about it as opposed to retroactive. like Decluttering your inbox is very similar to decluttering your house. It's way harder when you're doing it retroactively than when you're proactive about maintenance. Okay, so let's get to JK's question. As a reminder, JK's question was, if I delete 1,000 of the really old unnecessary emails, what is my annual CO2 savings? Then. Part two of her question was, if all of your listeners did the same, how much energy could we save or how many cars could we get off the road? Okay, so I mentioned earlier that emails vary widely with regard to how much CO2 they emit. Anywhere from 0.03 grams to about 26 grams up to 50 grams per email. So it's impossible for me, JK, to give you a precise number because I don't know exactly you know, what your email's like. For ease of math, let's just assume that every single email in your inbox, all 1,000 that you're going to delete, have 10 grams of CO2 attached to them. Some are going to have less, some are going to have more. 10 grams, let's just assume for the sake of math, that 10 grams is the average. Okay, so if one email is equal to 10 grams of carbon dioxide, that means that 1000 emails, 1000 times 10 is equivalent to 10,000 grams of CO2. 10,000 grams of CO2. Now let's put that in tons. That would be 0. 0.1 tons of CO2. So if you delete 1000 emails at 10 grams of CO2 per email, you will be saving 0.01 tons, 0.01 metric tons of carbon dioxide. For reference, as a reminder, the average American emits 16 metric tons of carbon dioxide into the atmosphere per year. So 0.01 tons does not sound all that significant, right? Like if you really wanted to reduce your carbon footprint, you would be doing other action steps that would give you bigger bang for your buck, like changing your diet to a plant-based one or getting rid of your car, right? 0.01 is not that huge. However, Going to part two of your question, which is, if all of the listeners of this show deleted 1,000 emails, what on earth would that look like? Okay, so this show has about 10,000 listeners per episode. So if all 10,000 of us deleted 1,000 emails, which is, as I mentioned, 0.01 tons of CO2, 0.01 times 10,000 equals 100 tons of CO2. Now what on earth, how can we visualize 100 tons of CO2? Well, 100 metric tons is equal to taking approximately 21 cars off of the road for a year because the average car generates 4.6 metric tons of CO2 per year. So that's a lot of numbers. The takeaway, if I lost you, if your eyes glazed over, the takeaway here is that if all 10,000 of us decide right now to delete 1,000 old emails, we can collectively, as a podcast community, take 21 cars off the road for a year. Holy moly. I hope that lit a fire under your bottom. Perhaps you go on with your bad self and delete 1,000 emails. And if you do, this would be a great challenge, by the way. We can start a thread in our Facebook group and keep us all accountable. How great would that be? I'm doing it. (laughs) I'm doing it. Now, before we say goodbye, a couple other action steps for you, less to do with your digital lives, but more to do with your tech. Really quick. Use your devices longer. Keep that smartphone and keep that computer for as long as they are working. Don't upgrade because there's a newer, shinier, sleeker, smaller one. Power down your devices. The US Department of Energy recommends that you turn off your computer every time you anticipate not using it for 2 hours or more. <laughs> so if you're in the habit of just closing the screen, letting it sleep every night, start powering it down. That's also really good for computer maintenance by the way. If you power it down, it's like a it's like a reset for the computer. So consider that. If you're going to not use your computer for 2 hours, turn it off. Turn the brightness down on your computer as well, that because doing so cuts down on the electricity use. And finally, I've said this many times on the show, but get in the habit of unplugging your chargers, your televisions, your desktop com- computers, your printers, all the things that take electricity when you're not going to be using them for an extended period of time. Doing so will s- save electricity, which will prevent carbon from entering our atmosphere. So I so hope I gave you all some solid information today. I've linked to some resources in this week's show notes, including some of the places where I got the numbers that we talked about today. I used a lot of numbers today. And by the way, those show notes, you can find them at mamaminimalist.com forward slash 235. Now on next week's show, next Tuesday's show, I am interviewing... An absolute legend, I am interviewing Dr. Sylvia Earle. She is a world-renowned oceanographer. She is Time Magazine's first hero of the planet, and she is National Geographic's explorer at large to adequately prepare you for our interview, you have homework. (laughs) Your homework is to watch the documentary Seaspiracy if you have not yet watched it. Dr. Earl is a major voice in the documentary. So the documentary is called Seaspiracy. I have linked to it in this week's show notes so you can watch it and really get fully prepared for my conversation with Dr. Sylvia Earle next Tuesday. I will see you next Tuesday. Have an amazing weekend. Don't kill yourself with holiday preparations. See you Tuesday and take care.